Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. So come now invade my heart. This I am uh, speaking to you today on a very breezy, somewhat blustery day in Santa Cruz, California in May of 2020, right in the very middle of the coronavirus uh, shelter in place or lockdown. And I have been asked to share with you about the marvelous privilege of being able to pray in a language that we didn't learn with our natural mind. And I'm intentionally today not, uh, not doing a formal teaching. I have sent your pastor links to a couple of other more, uh, you know, verse by verse kind of Bible studies that might be very, very helpful to you. But I've chosen today to uh, do more of what I would call uh, a, a ministry time. And I don't mean to presume upon uh, any anything in your life and just kind of jump in, but I do have a great burden for helping people, especially those who perhaps have prayed that they would have a release of their spiritual language and up until this point in time, have not enjoyed that wonderful, wonderful spiritual uh, arrangement and opportunity. So I want to uh, tell you a couple of stories, one now and then one a little bit later on. I'm going to make a couple of distinctions. I'm going to offer you two uh, definitions. And uh, by then, I think we'll be ready to uh, talk in more detail about specifically uh, obstacles or hurdles that you might have in your way to being released in your prayer language. I'll begin with a story that happened on Pentecost Sunday. Wow, this is going way back, maybe 1973 or 1974. And I ended up going to a Pentecostal church with some friends who uh, could give me a ride to church. I didn't have a car myself at the time, and so if I wanted to go to church, I had to go wherever uh, somebody was going. And I was raised in a church uh, tradition or background, we would call it today probably evangelical, very strong Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, but um, yeah, I didn't really have any understanding about Pentecost and certainly never marked Pentecost on my calendar. So we go to this uh, Pentecostal church. Again, I didn't know that. And we ended up sitting in the front row of the church because we were college students and were a little bit late. And that's where latecomers have to sit in church. And uh, during the, the, the service, the pastor asked and wanted to know how many people here have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I expected that many people would raise their hand, but it turned out there were just, I don't know, four or five of us in this very, very large church. And the reason that I raised my hand was not because particularly I was seeking after this experience of being baptized in the Spirit, but I, I, I was a sincere 
uh, eager follower of Jesus. I had just recently kind of been brought back to him. And so I was just all ready to go for it, Lord. And I didn't want to miss out on anything that he might have in mind for me. But on the other hand, I didn't want to be counted with uh, those people who believed or taught something that was different from the Word of God. And so I raised my hand partially in protest to say, I don't really believe in this, but also partially to say, but I want everything that Jesus wants for me. Well, I'm going to fast forward you through the whole service. And at the very end, uh, those of us that raised our hand were invited to come up after the service concluded and we were going to be prayed for. And I was a little nervous about that because, again, this wasn't part of my experience to have anybody lay their hands on me and, uh, and pray for me. Well, sure enough, a group of people, I would call them a prayer team now these many years later, a prayer team came laid their hands on me, prayed in, uh, in the spirit vigorously and were pressing down on me. And I didn't know what I was supposed to do in response to that. So I kept imagining that God was trying to get his you know, finger into my mouth and make my tongue move so I would speak in tongues. Um, again, silly, but that was, <laughs> that was my reality. And they prayed for maybe five, ten minutes, I don't know. And finally, at the end of it, as they peeled off one after the other and there was only one guy left and he prayed for me and gave me one last kind of Pentecostal uh, shove at the end of his prayer and then he looked at me and he just said buddy I don't know what to tell you meaning there was something deficient in me and the reason that I didn't speak in tongues was some error on my part and he gave up on me now curiously in all of that time of quote ministry when they were praying for me, nobody spoke to me in English and explained anything about what was happening, what I should expect, etc. And so I was left at the end of that thinking, you people are lunatics. You people are crazy. And I sincerely uh, opened myself to receive whatever Jesus wanted to give me. He obviously didn't give me this gift. So either I don't have it or there's something fundamentally flawed in your theology. Well, in the mercy of God, some time later, not a day or two, but a, a, quite a chunk of time in between when I was prayed for, I began to notice in my mind that there were these sort of um, um, nonsense syllables. I, I still remember them to this day. Aleshjiliyama, aleshjiliyama. I'm thinking, what is that? Why do I want to say that? And of course, I thought instantly, well, um, you know, it's probably a childhood language, or maybe I heard one of those crazy Pentecostals saying that. But why did I have such a desire to speak those words? Well. There were other nonsense syllables in my mind, and I found myself actively resisting because I didn't want to end up saying something that wasn't right. And I don't even know if I completely associated it back with being prayed for. I just know from that point on, these nonsense syllables framed in my mind. Uh, some time later, 
One morning I was on my knees before the Lord just praying. I was so earnest in my desire to serve the Lord and his purposes. And I sensed the Lord speak to me. And this is not something I was used to as a good evangelical. I, I, I sensed the whisper of the Holy Spirit just telling me, pray out those words. And I did. Forty minutes later, I look up, oh my goodness, at the clock and realize I don't think I'd ever prayed that long in my life. And I just prayed all of that time in the Spirit. This is a big part of why I'm so delighted to have an opportunity to talk with you. I want to share with you just a couple of things that I wished that those people who laid their hands on me so long ago would have shared because it would have made all the difference in the world. Okay, so uh, I'll tell you the second story uh, a little bit later, and then you'll know we're almost done when I get to that second story. But I'd like now to uh, remind you uh, again, this is just very, very cursory treatment, and oh, if we had the time, I would do a lot of Bible study on each of these subjects that I'm now going to uh, reference for you. But I, I want to make a distinction in your understanding between the episode when at the Last Supper when Jesus spoke to his disciples, and the Bible says he breathed on them, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That happened while Christ was still on the earth, before he ascended uh, to the Father. Receive the Holy Spirit. And you may remember in the book of Acts when uh, you know Jesus uh, has now appeared to them, and he's been with them over a period of these 40 days, and he reminds them and tells them when they asked, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? Or, or, did we make it? He says to them, you don't worry about that, but I want you to stay until you receive what is promised of my father. Basically saying, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's very important that you understand that if you have named Jesus Christ as your Savior, at that moment that you did, you received the Holy Spirit that the Bible describes as a, as a down payment, kind of a seal, a pledge of everything that's going to be yours. So if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and maybe when you received Christ, you had a somewhat emotional uh, reaction to that, or you were, you were profoundly overwhelmed. I don't know. Uh, I did not when I received Jesus as a young boy. But my point is that you receive the Holy Spirit. And that, at least in the pattern that we see in the scriptures, is not the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some people use the expression being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of being, uh, of receiving the Holy Spirit, you and I have an eternity in heaven. And as a result of being baptized in the Spirit, we have, um, how would I say, a greater facility with the things of the kingdom that God wants to use not only to mature and grow us, 
but also to use us as a ministry agent. So again, I'm, I'm not really interested in debating uh, if we had the time for more teaching, I could show you this distinction between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know there are some well-intended but a little sloppy Pentecostals who use those things uh, interchangeably. And when they talk to you about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or, or the privilege of praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, they will talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. No, no, you already have received the Holy Spirit. So those are, are, are two reminders that I wanna offer you. Now, the second thing that I want to do, or I think I'm on number two, <laughs> is, is um, to offer you a simple definition. Because we, we use this expression, spiritual language. Some people will even refer to uh, speaking in tongues as their heavenly language. And I won't quibble over that, but you, First Corinthians chapter 13 uh, tells us that the, the language that we speak may be a language of angels or it may be a language of people. So I might, for instance, be, when I'm praying in the Spirit, I might be speaking ancient Parthian. It was an actual language that was spoken in an empire somewhere between India and, uh, and Rome. But uh, it, it, so a spiritual language is not necessarily a heavenly language. A spiritual language that you speak or I speak may very well be a language that other humans actually understand. So you will remember on the day of Pentecost that after this mighty wind came in and the, the apostles spilled out into the street and they were declaring the praises of God and doing so in the languages of, of people. And some of the people from those various nations were hearing the high praises of God spoken in their own native tongue. So what makes a language spiritual? Now, in the church world, we refer to it as tongues. Paul says, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. He says, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. This expression, tongues, but I'm calling now spiritual language. What makes it spiritual? Now, later on, you can go back and look in your own Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians is the book where uh, so much of this discussion about spiritual language can be found. Well, if you go to the beginning of the book, he, in, in so many words, defines what makes something spiritual. And there are two components to this definition. Uh, the first, I would say, is that um, it seems to be foolishness. Uh, think of spiritual as being almost nonsensical. It doesn't recommend itself to the natural mind. And natural thinking people would say, oh, that's ridiculous. That is nothing. And by the way, and we're going to come in a few minutes to pray for you that you would have a release of your spiritual language. One of the biggest blockages for people is that they are trying so hard 
to, uh, to pray something, but when they hear these little syllables coming to their mind, they dismiss them and say, oh, that's just, that's nothing, that's, that's ridiculous. So I like to use the for instance of, a, of something spiritual by uh, giving you this number, 3980. And if I just say that to you, 3980, you're thinking, what is, what is that? That's, that's nothing, it doesn't mean anything. Well, not to you, but when I tell you it's my uh, PIN number for my bank account, 3980, it really is, by the way. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, suddenly it has some meaning. But the natural mind will always interpret what is spiritual as being of no account, ridiculous, nonsensical. So if it doesn't make sense, hmm, this is a big part of what it means to be spiritual. Okay, uh, Paul says you have to spiritually appraise things. So if you have kind of this spiritual key, then the things that sound and seem to be ridiculous and mean nothing to the natural world, ooh, when you look through the lens of what is truly spiritual, you see the significance that that has. The second, uh, uh, I would say, characteristic of something that's spiritual, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, is that it has to be, it, you only receive it by revelation. You can't think it on your own. You can't come up with it on your own. It is by revelation. So my favorite example of this is when Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do people say that I am? And, you know, Peter, the one time he got it right, he says, he says, oh, oh, you're the Christ. And, and Jesus basically replied back to him, that is correct. But Peter, flesh and blood, did not reveal this to you. You only get that revelation of who Christ is. This is what Paul will say in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Nobody can even say in their native tongue, their mother tongue, Jesus is Lord, except by the power of the Holy Spirit, except by revelation. And in exactly the same way, a spiritual language will, point one, sound like nothing, makes no sense to us, it will seem like gibberish. And point number two, you won't be able to pray in the spirit, you won't be able to pray in your spiritual language using your mind, trying so hard to, to do it. So as I say, this is something that uh, can kind of block a lot of, a lot of people. Okay, one last, uh, I want to make a distinction between, between two more things and then uh, we'll get on to, to pray. Okay, it really is getting breezy out here and, and with this uh, COVID lockdown, I haven't had a haircut in a long time. Okay, well, so two distinctions and this trips up a lot of people. The gift of tongues is not the same thing as your spiritual language or praying in the spirit. And even though this can sound like, well, what's the, that's quite a distinction. I mean, what's the big deal? Well, because there is a verse that says in, at the end, near the end of 1 Corinthians 12, not all speak with tongues, do they? 
And because well-meaning ministers don't want anyone to feel badly, and you yourself don't want to feel badly if you pray, Lord, you give me a release of my spiritual language, and then you aren't able to pray in tongues, you're kind of looking around for, well, what, why? And then when you see this verse, not all have the gift of tongues, you say, oh, great, okay, so I don't have that gift. Um, okay, so I'm just going to try to make this very quick little example. There is a spiritual gift called faith. It is the, known as the gift of faith. And we know that all spiritual gifts are designed to edify and build up other people. So if I have the gift of faith, and by the way, not everyone has the gift of faith. Hmm. But it would be crazy to say that not every believer has faith because you can't, you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ without having faith. Faith is a spiritual, but it's not the same as the spiritual gift of faith. And in exactly the same way, not everyone has the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is where I use my spiritual language to make a proclamation that is supposed to be interpreted so that other people can receive the benefit of what it is that I'm saying. But when I'm just praying in the Spirit, I'm just praying to God, and I'm not exercising a gift that's designed to speak to everyone else. In the same way, I could say, my native tongue is English, and I would never say that English is the gift of prophecy. It's just that when I prophesy, I use the language English, but I also pray in English. And nobody would confuse my personal prayers and the things that I'm asking the Lord about. You would not confuse that with a prophecy. Okay. So, uh, I just want to say, even though not all have the gift of tongues, everyone can pray in the Spirit. If you have asked Jesus to fill you, to baptize you in the Spirit, you have facility to pray in a language that you've never learned before. So I'd like now, if I could, just to take a couple of more minutes, and I'm, I'm just going to pretend that you and I are sitting across from one another at uh, Tim Hortons, and we're having a cup of coffee and maybe a donut too, and you say to me, oh, I, I, I really wish I could pray in tongues. I've, I've asked, I've tried, and it's just just never happened. What is it that I would say to you? First of all, I would say, I understand. I had that experience also, a lag time in between when I prayed. And if, if, I, if I could say this without sounding rude to anybody at all, I think it could be that perhaps you, things weren't explained to you completely. So I would like to explain to you what I understand and what gave me such a freedom and the privilege that I've had to pray for and talk to so many people who thought that they couldn't speak in tongues, but then ended up uh, doing so. So the first thing I would encourage you to do, if you have not yet, I mean, actually, consciously, either in your mind or with your lips, just declare, Jesus, you are my Lord, 
you are my Lord. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is inside of me. And then I would encourage you to just ask again and say, Lord, uh, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? And trusting, as Jesus said, that if, if, if some your son asks you for a loaf of bread, you're not going to give him a rock. And so if you ask your heavenly father, Father, just, just fill me with your spirit, baptize me in your spirit. At that moment that you ask him to do that, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. In the same way that when you said, Jesus, come into my life, you were born again. And you may or may not have had a, a kind of an emotional or physical experience when you received the Holy Spirit, and you may or may not have any kind of a, a bodily sensation or a reaction when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. But as soon as you say, Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit, like this, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then you may want to just pray, Lord, would you just, just release my spiritual language. I want to be able to pray, as your word says, in groanings that are beneath my vocabulary level, things that are so deep inside of me, I don't even know how to express, but your spirit that searches all things, even the depth of my heart. Oh, Father, allow your spirit to search out those things and pray, Lord, I want to declare your majesty. That great song, Over oh, a Thousand Tongues to Sing, I don't need a thousand, but I would sure love to have another one that I could just declare your praises. Lord, I want to I wanna build myself up in my faith, as your word says in the book of Jude, praying always in the spirit. I want to be uh, fortified for your kingdom. And Lord, I want to make intercession for other people. I, 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 sometimes I run out of words. Thank you that you want to fill me with your spirit and give me this release of spiritual language that goes beyond my natural limitations and what I know to think. And so, Lord, release me in this marvelous, marvelous privilege. Okay. Now, if you have done something like that in the past, you don't necessarily need to repeat it. It's not like God ever forgets those sorts of things. Uh, but I just find it's always helpful for people to take a few minutes to pray those simple prayers and then begin to whisper uh, his praises. Jesus, I love you so much. Thank you for all the work that you do in my life. And by the way, I will suggest to you that if you are not a person who is accustomed to speaking praise to the Lord in your mother tongue, it is going to be a little bit of a stretch for you to speak praise to God in another tongue. Now, I'm not saying he can't do it, but if you are someone you say, I just, I, I, I can't even in my native tongue, uh, I, I, you know, praise the Lord. He's not going to come and grab a hold of you and flop you all over the place. So you might just say, Jesus, I do praise you. I love you. And you just begin to worship him. And then again, my experience has been in talking with people and myself, uh, you will 
here uh, just the little slightest, almost nonsense syllables in your mind. And that reminds me of my second story. My sister, Beverly, is a, is a librarian, and she's very smart. So she wanted to be prayed for, to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, she saw things that had happened in my life, and my wife's life. And so we, we prayed for her. Prayed for, I don't know, five minutes or so. And then I said, Bev, is there, you know, do you have any syllables in your mind? Anything that you would speak out? She says, no. I said, oh, okay. So we prayed again. And that went on for maybe 20 minutes or so. Every five minutes, I'm saying, really, Bev, nothing? You have no words in your mind? No, no, no. Well, finally, I said, geez, this is, this is strange. I, I, I mean, I almost repeated what that man said to me. I don't know what to tell you. And I said, really, nothing at all. And she says, well, well, there was this one thing, hipa, keepa. But she said, I thought that was just dumb. That was, that was nothing. What does hipa, keepa mean? And I said, Beth, I don't know what hipa, keepa means. Uh, I kind of wanted to almost strangle her. She's my sister, so you can want to do that. It's okay. It's like, what? And I said, when did you first get these nonsense syllables? And she says, oh, almost right away when you laid your hands on me way in the beginning. My point is this, that if you are expecting something, the whisper of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of your prayer language is not going to resemble what you're probably waiting to have happen. And the Bible says that the people spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. I have to speak. He does not come and use you like a ventriloquist dummy. You speak what the Spirit gives you as utterance. Some people hear these nonsense syllables. Some people can almost even see them uh, spelled out a, a little bit, but it's very fleeting. It's very, very faint. And I promise you this, if you will just begin to speak the words, recognizing they're going to sound like nonsense, recognizing that you will not know what they mean, but if you by faith will speak those words, that is the beginning of praying in the Spirit. Some people get two or three or four spiritual words and, and then they don't get any more. And they get tired after time just repeating the same thing. Like if it was my sister, heepa keepa, heepa keepa, keepa heepa, keepa heepa, keepa heepa, heepa. You know, and you think, well, that's not really a language. It's not much of a vocabulary. Here is why many people get stuck. So when you, those first words that your mind did not know, when you speak them, your ears hear them, your ears are attached to your mind and your mind says, oh, I know how to speak that language. And so instead of continuing to pray by revelation that bypasses your brain, you begin to pray what you remember yourself saying. And that's why you get stuck, because even though you're speaking uh, words that you don't know what they mean, you are now doing so by the agency of your own brain. 
So I just encourage you, start with those words and then decide. You're not going to repeat them, but you just keep speaking. Don't wait for the window panes to rattle. Don't wait for the earth to shake. Just get used to receiving these slight, simple little things. Speak them out. Speak as the Spirit gives you utterance. Consuming fire My heart's desire Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together. As family we go.
Set me on a holy fire. 